0: This idea of unvarnished faith is um, the, the book is ultimately about love and about relationships and the centrality of celebrating, recognizing, embracing, and sharing the love that exists between and amongst all people and, and the importance and how relationships are the conduits through which that love can be conveyed and shared and and, and, and grown. And, um, and unvarnished faith really came about from the perspective of interacting with different people down in, in Nicaragua and finding... How much we literally varnish and shellac and sort of dress up our faith, whether it's in doctrinal or denominational divides, or even physical clothing, or the churches in which we worship, or the the language we use, or the platitudes. Or and and unvarnished faith is just the idea of, of, you know, God loves me. If I pray to God, if I serve God, God will take care of me in ways that I may not even see happening.
1: Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Ron Huntley. I'm so excited you're with us today. You know, I love talking to business leaders who are people of faith, because I always find there's so much to learn. There's It's not easy being in business. It's not easy trying to bring about parish renewal. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from one another as we seek to serve and glorify God. My guest today is Bill Yo. Bill is a husband, a father, a businessman, and a strong Christian. And he's also an author. He actually had a, a mission trip that that impacted his life. And it led to a book called Unvarnished Faith. We're gonna talk about that book, those precepts in the context of who he is as a man, a father and a businessman. Bill, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Ron. It's really an honor to be here.
1: Tell us a little bit, just to put some context around um, being a businessman and, and faith, but tell, tell us a little bit about your ventures in business.
0: Sure, yeah, no, so I've been uh, really lifelong involved in business. Uh, my, my brothers and I are third generation owners of a 122 year old family business. So, uh, spent most of my life uh, full time in the business career up until seven or eight years ago. And I'm, I'm still involved with that business very proudly and engaged as an owner. Mm. Um, so, it's a large business. We have 45,000 employees. And I said, you know, we're 122 years old. So, uh, there, there's a lot there. <clears throat> and two of my brothers and I uh, continue to own and, and, and operate, and they more so than I own the operations side. Mm-hmm. Uh, more recently, I've I've gotten to a number of different kinds of things. You mentioned the mission work and the writing and mm-hmm. uh, some different boards and other things. But uh, also uh, a few years ago, my wife and I bought a uh, a small business. It's a seasonal business and um, it's actually a miniature golf course. So uh, we own and operate a miniature golf course, and she runs They're it, so and fun. I do all, <laughs> and I do all the maintenance at it. Um, and so uh, sometimes you know when people say what what are you seeing in the business world, I, I will sort of say, well, would you like the view and the lens of a 45,000 employee company or a 10 seasonal worker, you know, business that operates, you know, a half dozen months a year kind of thing. But, uh, but I love business. I love being with people. I love helping people be successful. Uh, I love serving customers. Um, you know, service is a huge part of who I am and what I do. And, uh, business is a great way to do that. So
1: let me ask you something like, what like was your putting that bad that you decided to you know what <laughs> i gotta work on this i might as well make a couple of
0: dollars yeah. while i'm doing it.
1: like what made you decide to open a them right
0: pot? right yeah well actually you you uh you and your listeners would appreciate this so um the, the business came for sale my wife had sort of always wanted to be involved in a business down here at, at our, our summer residence where i am now and so she thought it'd be a really good idea to buy it and i thought it wouldn't be a good idea to buy it so we compromised and we bought it <laughs> right <clears throat> so uh and 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 therefore we're celebrating tomorrow 26 years of marriage so that's that's sort of how it worked right
1: that's a whole other podcast there but i, I yeah right, i right. think your wife's really gonna appreciate specifically that part that we, yeah. we compromised and yeah. bought it i love that and we were talking a little bit off air just how much Fun it was to have your kids coming up through and and you know spending some
0: time in the business too. What was that like for you? Yeah. What was that like for them? You know, it was well. Uh, You'd you probably have to ask them. I, I think they had mixed feelings about it. Um, but um, but for us, yeah, it was great. E- each of our kids, that you know, sort of as they were sort of. Coming, coming of age, if you will, yeah. worked at the at the summer, and our youngest, who's still in high school, uh, gives us a couple shifts a week. Right. But what was really neat about it was, unlike this gigantic 200-year-old family business, mm-hmm. this thing is small. We can really get our arms on it and stuff. And so when we bought the business, you know, I put kind of like a five-year plan together uh, mm-hmm. about you know what our returns are and what it would look like, and I was able to convert that into well, how much revenue per year and. How many revenue days are there and how many golfers does that equate to and then we could break that down to a shift so when one of my children would come home from a four-hour shift i could ask them legitimately are we still in our five-year plan or not and they would know well, well we needed to get x golfers we got x minus 10 percent golfers so no we're a little behind now or whatever but so there are ways for them to learn about business in that regard that were yeah. different than trying to relate to this this huge huge other other thing so
1: absolutely that's wonderful too and you, you mentioned earlier you had some uh, t- time and training, education in the business consulting world. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I work with uh, some leadership teams, one in particular who has a business consultant on their leadership team. So it's really fun to watch the mm-hmm. angle and approach he can take to the right, whole right. world of parish renewal, which is wonderful. Right. Tell me a little bit about your faith. Uh, you share that with me before we head into this mission trip that really sure. led to the book.
0: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No. So I, um, you know, I've been a lifelong Christian. I was actually a, a lifelong Episcopalian uh, up until my mid to late forties um, and uh, fell in love with and married Kelly, my, my wife, who was a lifelong Roman Catholic and uh, she went to Villanova university and her hu- her uncle was a, a priest in the monastery there and chaired the religious studies department. And so, you know, she was a uh, you know, full fledged cradle Catholic. And um, <clears throat> so, and I, you know, I'd say I was, I had some ambivalence about the catholic church through much of our early marriage um you know w- would attend mass every once in a while kind of one foot in one foot out but yeah the mass wasn't really alive uh, it wasn't a living experience for me it was mm-hmm. uh, sort of rote in all the maybe negative ways the term rote may be interpreted you know we, right. <clears throat> in our in our faith in the catholic faith wrote can kind of go both ways i would say mm-hmm. um And then, um, actually the, my sort of whole life and most importantly, my faith life pivoted in 2015, my, my mom passed away after a long illness. And, um, so that inevitable sadness of losing a parent, um, was, was accompanied totally simultaneously with this inevitable beauty. And the beauty was in that there was a huge plate glass window next to her bed with this, with this bright red sunset pouring in the window. Um, Beautiful in that she was surrounded by loved ones. We were holding her hands, holding her arms. Beautiful in that we knew the moment that her pain ended. And mm-hmm. and beautiful for me on top of all that personally, because the moment she went to God, God literally physically pushed on my chest in a way that I had never experienced before. And so the enormity and the emotion of the moment was yes, about the sadness and, and all these experiences and emotions of my mom, but also this presence of God that I'd never experienced. And uh, a few months later, I decided to do a pretty major pivot in my career and pull out of a lot of my management responsibility. I decided I went to research and write a book on our father. Um, so that was my first book, not the one that you mentioned earlier. A uh, few months after that, I'm, I'm attending a small group. A few months after that, I'm helping launch a small group. A few months after that, mission work comes up next you know some discernment about converting to roman catholicism the pandemic hits that that you know god sends some more revelation to me that i'm able to discern on and i find myself a, in a master's ministry in ministry and theology at villanova which i just completed last year and then uh, my book on varnished faith came out so i can really point wow. back to that moment you know at the time i had obviously no clue what the what the future would look like but so that that really created a major pivot in my life and so i've had the chance to like I said, spend much of my faith life in a mainline Protestant tradition, Episcopal tradition. Yeah. More recently, very committed to my Roman Catholic uh, decision and, and affiliation, but but also uh, have a lot of exposure to non-denominational and evangelical efforts, particularly through the mission work that I've done, so.
1: That's beautiful.
0: Yeah, I have a, a concept, I talk about uppercase C Roman Catholic and lowercase C universal Catholic Christian. Right. Uh, that sort of gets into that, so. I love
1: that. The it's beautiful you know and i I don't know that your experience you know pope benedict the 16th basically said you know you become a christian when you encounter jesus it's not a set of morals or set of rules or you Mm -hmm. know those all support this relationship and encounter with jesus and what i'm hearing you say bill is that it was at the moment of your mother's death that that you had an encounter of god that was undeniable and left an indelible mark on on your trajectory it sounded like it shifted your trajectory somewhat
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it really did and and looking back on it at the time i really was yes i think i was doing a fine job in my my business efforts but but not i would say anyway to the level of awareness and contributions and and discernments of what my true talents and gifts and callings are as i right now Mm -hmm. But physically, uh, emotionally, relationship-wise, I can really look to so many different through so many different lenses at my life yeah. and see, you know, I was not living into the person I was meant to be nearly as much then as I was now. And even even <clears throat> from a physical perspective, shortly after that, I finally got my physical acting gear and actually lost a hundred pounds. Um, Stop and it! Yeah, Way to yeah. go! <laughs> so you know, I'd, I'd always sort of yo-yoed up and down, pun intended, with my last name, with my weight throughout my adult life, and. But but what I didn't realize all the other times I'd lost weight I wasn't getting myself right in all facets of my life, including yep. emotionally and spiritually. And the fact that I've been able to get myself more right emotionally and spiritually, I think has helped the physical, and even the the mental side of things. Uh, you know, have more moderation, yep. more uh, appropriateness, more you know more more care.
1: Yeah. Well, and those are the fruits of the Holy Spirit too, is to mm-hmm. self control and discipline, mm-hmm. and so you know I my friend Father James Often, sometimes people would come to him and say you know this happened to me you know and a perfect example is that hey you know my, my mom passed and I felt this physical like touch on my chest right. or pressure <clears throat> was that God like was that a religious experience and and his answer would be I don't know like maybe it was maybe it wasn't I don't know but the, the way that you do know is does it change you to be more right. like Jesus because the Holy spirit always changes what he touches. Mm -hmm. And so it's beautiful because, you know, again, just listening to your story, I'm thinking, wow, what a beautiful, powerful testimony and example of the sovereign work of God. You weren't in a church. You weren't, you know, you, you just right there present to your mom, present to your family and, and experience and, and had the grace to see and experience the beauty of that moment and mm-hmm. through that beauty through the love that you have for your mom and your family bang god just blesses yeah. the daylights out of you th-
0: yeah amazing yeah. best
1: story ever all right so that <laughs> helps you shift um right. you know you've had some great success you and your family and business so wonderful you start leaning more into maybe get or maybe it sounds like you're getting a sense of purpose and calling that's that's different than simply mm-hmm. being a successful business owner, and that's not simple. That's huge. Right, uh, right, and being right. a dad and uh, a husband of 26 years tomorrow, mm-hmm, congratulations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where did that take you, and how did the mission trip come into play?
0: Sure. So you know, it 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 took me again when I realized I wanted to pull back a lot of my management duties. I knew I wanted to go right into something, and that something was to research and write a book on our father, and by extension, on our family and on our business. So it wasn't like all right, let me just go contemplate my navel for 90 days and figure out, you know, what's next or, or uh, you know, go on, go on a long right. walk or a, hike a mountain or something like that. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> but during that time, all these seeds continued to, you know, sort of germinate and sprout and different things happened. And and um, one of my brothers, Jeff, and his wife, Suzanne, several years ago started a, a Christian food ministry in the Carolinas. And it's called Servants with the Heart. And the subtitle of my book is Learning to Love with a Servant's Heart. Mm. And so they have now packed over 25 million meals for underserved communities, literally throughout the world. They're shipping a lot of food to the Ukraine right now, but through some different relationships they had in the Carolinas and and, uh, through Nicaragua, a lot of their food, you know, I'd say probably 80% of their food or 70% of their food over, over the years has gone to Nicaragua. And so several times a year, Jeff and Suzanne would run these mission trips down there. And he had asked me, you know, a few different times if I ever wanted to go and, you know i thought like hey i'd love to come down and visit you in charlotte or south carolina wherever you know, <clears throat> but um you know i don't really want to do something like that that just these mm-hmm. austere environments you know all the god talk like you know right. it was not for me and it's not my so the trip i ended up going on I, w- I went as a chaperone for a group of high schoolers for a week and and i was also, i was ostensibly a chaperone yeah um and, you know, I was going to be helping them sort of behind the scenes, but, um, you know, this, the fr- I've done a few other overseas mission trips since then, but it just, yep. it changed my life. It's not hyperbole for me to say that in, in every way imaginable. And I had just published the book on my father mm-hmm. the week before, and I woke up in the third day of the mission trip, one of those sort of pre-dawn, pre-alarm ruminations, yep. if you will. Yeah that, oh, I'm supposed to write a book on this trip, and I'm supposed to go back into research mode while I'm still here, and you just did all this stuff, and go ahead and do that. And at the time, I didn't have access to the fact that that was the Holy Spirit working through me. At the time, I remember sitting at breakfast with one of the other chaperones and saying, God, listen to my subconscious this morning, and what happened? And and at some point in the year since then, I sort of pivoted and recognized, like, no, dingling, that was not your subconscious. That was God speaking to you through the power of the Holy Spirit and saying, you know, you have talents and gifts to to capture and relate stories that people can relate to, even if they're not relatable. Right. And um, so that led to that. And then, you know, over the over the subsequent years, sort of pulling that all together. And But yeah, it was just a, an incredible experience. It led to this idea of unvarnished faith and a lot of the things that I'm doing today.
1: Wow. I've uh, recently did a podcast with Sherry Waddell. Um, strongly recommend the book if you've never read it. It's called Forming Intentional Disciples. She, too, was a convert to Catholicism and spent... 15 years helping people discern within the catholic church what their gifts and charisms are kind of what you're Mm -hmm. talking about and she realized with her team over 15 years of listening that it wasn't working very well for a lot of people and it was because a lot of the church going catholics didn't have a relationship with with jesus that they could Mm -hmm. articulate so it made it impossible to discern the work of the spirit in their life because they that was foreign to them they went to church faithfully But they right. didn't have that relationship and so it's really neat hearing you have that encounter with Christ and then start to be probably it sounds like even more open to doing things like Bible studies and running on something so you're being discipled while you're giving and discipling and you're continuing to grow in in understanding and maturity of your faith in powerful ways so beautiful yeah Mm, great, mm, great message, very consistent with that. And so you talk about six tenets in your book, and I'd love to just touch on those for our listeners. Yeah,
0: sure. Yeah. So this idea of unvarnished faith is um, the the book is ultimately about love and about relationships and the centrality Mm -hmm. of celebrating, recognizing, embracing and sharing the love that exists between and amongst all people. And, and the importance and how relationships are the conduits through which that love can be conveyed and shared and, 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 and grown. And, um, and unvarnished faith really came about from the perspective of interacting with different people down in, in Nicaragua and finding how much we literally varnish and shellac and sort of dress up our faith, whether it's in doctrinal or denominational divides or even physical clothing or the churches in which we worship or the, the language we use or the platitudes or and, and unvarnished faith is just the idea of, of, you know, God loves me. If I pray to God, if I serve God, God will take care of me in ways that I may not even see happening. Mm-hmm. Um, we met this this woman down there, Maria, and she lived in a trash dump and, and uh, was raising her children in a trash dump. We met her father. So she was raised in a trash dump and I'm literally stepping in with boots on medical waste and there's stuff on fire and just it's unimaginable. And we asked her how she feels and she said, well, yo estoy contenta. I'm happy. And you could have knocked us over with a feather when we heard her say we're happy. Well, can you please like, you know, explain that to us? And and I said, well, I woke up this morning. I didn't know how I was going to feed my children. I prayed to God and God sent you today with food. So if you want to know how I'm feeling, I'm feeling happy. And so that that's where this idea of like, that's unvarnished faith at work. And that's love and relationship with God and and with each other and in her case with her children and, and immediately with us as the providers of, of nourishment. So <clears throat> as the book evolved and the concept of the book evolved, um, I was there six days and I knew I wanted to sort of t- to have one part of the book focus on each of the six days. Yeah. Um, but then there were all these themes and sort of tenets that kept coming up that seemed to undergird and buoy this idea of unvarnished faith about learning to love with a servant's heart and about love and relationship. And so each of the six parts of the book focuses on one of these six tenets. So it's uh, back in the 90s, um, um, the book um, Tuesdays with Maury was written by Mitch Albom. And on one level, it's a book about a guy's weekly visits to his dying college professor. But on another yeah. level, it's about their discussion about life and death and many things in between. So in some ways, on one level, this book is about the story of somebody from a very privileged developed world background, you know, plunging into mm-hmm. one of these really austere environments. But on another level, <clears throat> it's about these tenants. So the six tenants um, are character. And I sort of lead off with the idea of how important character is about accountability, about integrity, about hard work, you know, just the things that sort of that's that's kind of the that's sort of the infrastructure, if you will, that can hold you together as a person. Mm-hmm. It leads into dignity. And to me, Love and relationship and following Jesus is all about dignifying others. It's all about recognizing we are all born with the right for God-given dignity. Mm -hmm. Um, I talk a lot about gender dynamics specifically in that part of the book. Um, The third one leads into talents and the importance of discerning what our, what our uniquely imbued talents and gifts are, how we're able to develop and hone and honor and and share those talents and gifts with others. And, And that's really about ministry. That's about surrendering. Um, and so I've been able to do a lot of things around that. Um, <clears throat> next would be serenity. And this is one that I've really had to work on a lot myself, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the serenity sort of stemming from, you know, I think ultimately the, the, uh, alcoholics Anonymous prayer about the, the, the serenity mm-hmm. to accept the things I can't change. Well, in my case, it's the serenity to be present in the moment, the serenity to, um, recognize there are things that I can't change as much as a type A control freak as I can be. And, and be okay with those things, um, and and that's been a long uh, and I think you know hopeful journey for me to be the, mm. ter- the term I use being more comfortable in my own skin. Mm. And then I end with talking about failure and about gratitude. And mm. I think failure is something that particularly in you know developed societies like the U.S. and Canada and North America that we, we don't we we don't not only sort of appreciate failure as much we do everything we can as parents and as leaders to to avoid it, and we <clears throat> we miss the idea that that's where growth happens, that's where God shows up, that's where development is, that's where relationships and compassion and love and, and service can all be is in, is in our is in our times that we fail, not in our times that we succeed. Yeah. And we certainly all know when we succeed, we tend to turn away from God and it's when we fail, we come back to God. So, And then I end with gratitude and just the whole idea about gratitude as a practice, the more and more we practice gratitude, the more our brain neuroplasticity and all these different things literally becomes conditioned Towards showing up and creating more grateful and more more positive uh, experiences for us and those around us. So that's a kind of a long winded way to get through about the the six tenets of the book, but how it all fits together. And, and I broke it into the six parts. So for book clubs and small groups and stuff, it can be sort of you know chunked and consumed in that way. So,
1: well, what what wonderful tenets? Because each one of those, as we dive into those, reflect on them, wrestle with them share them and talk about them in a small group just helps us to in, be an intentionally better person <laughs> have mm-hmm, an intentionally mm-hmm. better contribution to this one life that we get to live right and right, so right. i really hope all our listeners go out and buy that book on varnished faith as you were talking about connecting with that uh, lady in the trash dump and it reminded me of a time when the pharmaceutical industry, I was driving up to Cape Breton in Nova Scotia, and it was a little bit, uh, dusk was coming on, and mm-hmm. the roads up there are just one way in each direction, they go forever, and you don't right. pass a car for miles. <laughs> you know, It's right. a right. pretty remote right. area. And uh, I ripped by this car on the side of the road, and I'm thinking, there was two people, and so right away, my mind's confused. like, what is it doing just sitting there? and why is there two people in it and of course you keep driving and it's like but it's like no i have to pull over and so mm-hmm. i just felt compelled to pull over and i was quite a ways right, up the road right. by that point yeah you know you're yeah. kind of justifying should i stop shouldn't i stop you right know? right right and i don't want to be weird and i thought yeah. no i'm just compelled to pull over so i did and i turned around and i went back and as i got closer i realized they had a flat tire and mm. so then i cycled in behind them and pulled up and when i pulled up behind them this uh This native lady gets out of her car. She's an older lady. And I said, Are you okay? And she said, Well, I am now that you're here. I Mm. said, Is someone on his way to help you with your time? She Mm. said, No. I said, So you were just sitting in the car? She said, Yep. I sat in the car with my granddaughter and we prayed to Jesus that he would send somebody to help us. And so they didn't get out of the car and wave anybody. They literally sat there and prayed. They did nothing other than pray. Yeah, and yeah, I get goosebumps yeah. telling you the story now. I thought, totally, yeah. Oh my gosh. And so I fixed her mm-hmm. tire for
0: her. Yeah, that's awesome. And
1: off she went. And boy, did she ever teach me about mm-hmm. the reliance on a relationship with a God who loves
0: us. Yeah. Just yeah like, just yeah. like you. yeah the, and the power of prayer to to, to do that to, to exercise that that's a great story yeah. i would have
1: laid across the road to stop a car i wouldn't have had the faith <laughs> right that right. That. Right, right. So, right taught me faith and so so what a beautiful what a beautiful opportunity for you who didn't see yourself doing that didn't really want to and shout out to your brother man like i love the guy already mm-hmm. and i've never met him like <laughs> way to go to continue to ask you and to respect you enough not to push things on you but right, I will right. make you a chaperone you know and yeah, while i yeah. guarantee you him and his
0: wife right. are praying for you of course Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it yep. yeah right,
1: right. and to, to read that book for them must just make their hearts rejoice in thanksgiving to god and mm-hmm. so how does bill i'd love to hear from you you know how as you've done this when you look back at how you operated as a business leader a business owner, and how you lived your faith, and as you continue to grow closer to God, make sense of some of that in terms of the values that you would live or try to live, and how those have evolved.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's actually not only a great question, Ron. It's sort of the question for me right now in terms of mm-hmm. my discernment about my walk and my path and and where I go. And I and you know I can connect on. Okay, leadership and communications and facilitation and strategy and these different kind of things that again I would put in my talents and gifts bucket and and you know that that could be uh, you know applied as we talked earlier you know to any number of a different vocations or or, yeah. or callings or, or jobs or settings or communities or whatever it might be. Yeah. But um, you know what I've really seen is that through those things, you know I I have a true privilege to be able to try and exercise and deploy them in various settings. Um, I have some economic privilege to be able to do that. I have some uh, relationship and community uh, exposure privilege and things. And so what I'm really discerning on now is this whole idea about how can I walk with other people of privilege, with other people of means um, and help them become, you know, better followers and better, better examples of the light, better arms Mm -hmm. and legs of Christ here on earth. And a couple of things have come to mind. This I really started first discerning on this around when the pandemic came up and all these different issues about privilege and white privilege and Black Lives Matters and George Floyd's murder and, and and so I had a number of different conversations with other men in my parish. You know, I'd recently converted to Roman Catholicism. And I was really struck by the huge diversity of thoughts and opinions and beliefs politically, theologically, spiritually, socially. In terms of where, you know, all these men who live geographically proximate to each other, mm. similar socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, literally members of the same church and yeah. you know, worshiping in the same pews, how different all these things were. But but one of the things that came out of that was that there was this and remains this vilification of people of privilege simply because they're of privilege. And, Good point. and so, the, so, the, so the two things that I look at is, is number one. You know, people of privilege, and again, I'm oversimplifying privilege, you know, and implying sort of a non privilege, but just for the sake of the thing. Yep. That that that, you know, someone of privilege is created in the image of God and worthy of dignity just as much as somebody mm-hmm. who may not have the means and resources they do. Secondly, and so so there's a ministry opportunity there. And mm-hmm. there's there's pain and there's challenges and there's insecurities and there's there's desires for growth and connection there just as much mm-hmm. as it would be with anybody else. Amen. But secondly, and what kind of gets me excited is is if I can be a small part of helping mobilize and engage and, and commit to God's calling people of means and Mm. people of resources and people of leadership talents and, and, and who can do things with capacity at scale, that can move the needle in in society in ways that, you know, I might not be able to otherwise, depending if I were ministering, you know, in in a different kind of thing. So, so that is the kind of, uh, the thread, if you will, that, that, that sort of has tied it all together and, and the discernment. And, and again, the serenity, as I mentioned earlier for me comes in mm-hmm. to knowing, okay, I'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like, but I'm going right. to keep walking step-by-step step to where I think the path's being illuminated for me. Mm-hmm. And when God's ready for that plan to come clear, I'll be ready to, to mobilize in whatever way God wants me to. So. Oh
1: such a like even the words you use how you're approaching the whole thing bill is is just such a wonderful witness to the whole process of discernment
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's so cool because god uses us like giving is one of the gifts of the spirits it's a spiritual gift mm-hmm. and so i used to do fundraising when i worked with divine renovation ministries we were a charity and I really enjoyed the development side of ministry because I got to make all kinds of new friendships, mm-hmm. and a friend is a friend is a friend,
0: right, right, right.
1: And and it is a there is a vilification of people with means, and it can be lonely and 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 misunderstood, and and it just it it leaves a little bit of a pit in my stomach anytime anyone's treated right. like that. And that's right, just another right. example of how it can right. happen, but. Um, But yeah, through that met some amazing people who are so generous, and and you know when I think about parish renewal, so often parishes are under-resourced but they're not just under-resourced financially they're under-resourced with with a sense of commitment uh, a belief that this can be done and the churches can matter and we can transform lives and we can be walking in miracles and and so i think that's the biggest poverty the church faces and Mm -hmm. so when we can get Mm -hmm. some people who actually have accomplished things whether it's sports whether it's business what have you that have this attitude we don't have to settle for being ineffective it, it just drives right, me right. bonkers and so right, we need right, people like right. you and others mm-hmm. who who have gifts and talents and this belief that no we can turn things around we mm-hmm. you know i just smiling. and i just popped into my head your mini putt. hopefully your putting's better than it was uh but <laughs> but this whole idea that yeah. that you know we can win and and you know it's like oh winning and losing in the kingdom of god right, Well, souls right. are at stake right like, right souls are at stake yeah and what what, the, what Jesus represents, what he brings to the table, what his desire is for the whole world, is that they would know how much they're loved and cared for and how much life and mm-hmm. purpose and meaning every breath right. they take has. Right. And if the church can't share that message effectively, if all we're doing is going through the motions, then right. that's just heartbreaking. And I guess maybe as we wind up, I'm thinking one of the things you mentioned is you're looking at um, getting involved in your parish and you held mm-hmm. up a book earlier. Held it up again. Is it still there? I right. just love it. Right. A-
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. Here it is. Yes. Uh, rebuilt yeah. Rebuilt yeah, yeah, with yeah, yeah. Father
1: Michael White and Tom Corcoran, and and right. so just so exciting for me that that you're also in all the business and all the things that you're doing and choosing to commit to that that being involved in your parish and. And and beginning to do some research into to to and what that could look like. What's what's driving that? What's bringing that to life? Tell me
0: a bit. Yeah, about and that. I, and I'm really excited to 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 do that. I'm involved, you know, as a parishioner, uh, obviously, and and, uh, and uh, you know, active member of our men's group and our gospel mm-hmm. reflection group. But uh, yeah, I'm going to have the chance to get involved in our parish council. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, you know, it's my my albeit relatively short. You know, relationship five years or so uh, as a member of the Catholic Church, yeah. the the first week, literally, that I met with our pastor uh, was the week that uh, the latest round of grand jury uh, indictments was released from the state of Pennsylvania about the unthinkable yeah. acts of sexual violence and cover up, which to me are equally yeah. as egregious. I agree. And so, again, if I think if 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 all if this is part of God's plan, maybe in some way, when most people are lining up at the exit, I'm knocking on the entrance. Um, in some very, very small way, God said, now's the time to come in, you know, to this big giant institution. And being part of a large family, <clears throat> a family business, other kinds of things, I do consider right. myself an institutionalist. Mm-hmm. And, and and within within the Christian faith world, there's no bigger institution, obviously, than the Catholic Church. Yeah. <clears throat> and the Church certainly has uh, its issues. And, and as I said, yeah. these sort of unthinkable things that have happened. But, you know, somebody told me during my discernment process when I converted was, you know, if you can separate the beauty and the sanctity of the faith from those people who have foiled it because they're they're human infallible. So separating mm-hmm. the message from the messenger, if you will. And that that kind of was all I needed just to, to be in. Mm-hmm. And um, and we, we struggle as a as an institution, as a church with, you know, we have a, a, I have some experience in marketing. Our air cover from a marketing and a PR perspective right. is, is really woeful. Mm -hmm. Um, both I'd say locally, nationally, and even, even globally. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you think about all the issues that the institution has, but the flip side of it, that there's no organization in the world who feeds more people, heals more people and educates more people every day of every year than the Roman Catholic church. So I look at that kind of good. And I look at, you know, the Roman Catholic church sort of is the origins with St. Peter and the original apostles. Yes, and and that so the, the literally the billions of people who have been bought brought to Christ over millennia through the Roman Catholic Church. So I look at all these things, and I'm not in any way downplaying some of these other issues and things that are problems within our church or messaging or whatever. But mm-hmm. when I look at the 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 overall size of it, and so I get excited to get involved here at a local level, and see you know what are the things within our parish and what are the mm-hmm. things within our engagement, and you know specifically we, we have an issue with with young family pr- participation and so, young family visibility. And, and yeah. you know, we, we've both raised athletes. Um, we know how yeah. how time-consuming youth sports can be. Yeah. And Sunday mornings are not off limits for those kinds of programs and trips and stuff. So how do we wrestle with these things? And, and, mm-hmm. and specifically, you've mentioned a lot of times about how can the church help bring people to Christ? Well, in my experience in, in North America, the Roman Catholic Church and even mainline Protestant traditions really didn't, teach a lot about an experience with Christ. They talked about sort of God, the father. They talked about the Holy spirit, which at the time was the Holy ghost, which I found visually terrifying. I'm looking up in the raptors of the church, wondering where this Holy ghost is like brooding down on me. But, but to me, Jesus was sort of the third of the three, but through my uh, recent walk, my exposure through some of these other non-denational, non-denational traditions, talking to leaders like you, Mm-hmm. Jesus is really the, that's the relationship and that's the day-to-day and that's the role model for us. And that's the intermediary to God and to the kingdom. And so the more we can have people experience that and open them up to experience that, in fact, they'll get to be a, a small part of that. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, so.
1: Oh, Bill, I'm so excited for you. I, I heard it said one time that a person would do well to have three conversions in their lifetime, a conversion to Jesus, a conversion to his church, and a conversion to his mission. And as Mm. we've talked today, I've I've listened to you give testimony to those three conversions Mm. in your life, one at your mother's death, um, two at your at your conversion and 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 into the Catholic Church and not just the church, but also deciding that I'm going to be a part of the solution. I'm not just going to criticize. Yes, there Mm -hmm. are things that are really good. And yes, there are some things that that aren't so good. And you're going in with your eyes wide open to be a part of the solution and then using your your gifts and ministry to continue to discern what's god calling you to do and it sounds to me like it's this piece of other people of affluence and discipling them and coming alongside and helping them discover mm-hmm. the absolute joy and purpose that jesus brings to their life so wow so i'm telling yeah. you what a great what a great time talking to you today phil
0: thanks ron yeah me. i enjoyed it too thoroughly yeah. enjoyed
1: it um where yeah. can people find your book and uh and where would they get that
0: sure so uh unvarnished com is is uh my website and our website and that's you can find everything there is to know about that it's available on amazon uh, if you live anywhere near pennsylvania new jersey it might be in a local bookstore uh where i happen to spend some of my time but uh but unvarnished com, and you can you can sign up for my newsletter i share things like this this podcast and Uh, different writings i've done and i have some poetry in there and information on my other books and i would love to have a chance to connect with anybody and and maybe come have a a talk with your group so
1: that is wonderful so you do speaking and coaching as well one of the things that you mentioned i i I almost forgot and i'm so glad you mentioned that but you do talk and you do coach and you help businesses too uh in terms of family businesses with succession Mm -hmm. stuff that's an issue that i had a fellow on the podcast not that long ago that talked about succession planning or, or or pastoral transitions and parishes and dioceses, right, but he also right. talks about it in the context of business and and so yes by all means if any of those areas are areas that 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 you'd like to have us talk on have you ever done any missions uh in churches in terms of around these premise these tenants from your book Does no
0: this is I, I think my my own home parish will be kind of my first uh my first go at seeing where i can try to help out there so
1: all right well i am going to Beg the listeners who are looking for a speaker this Lent, reach out to Bill, help him form a mission around this because these principles, his experience, his life is one that is inspirational to others. And so once again, Bill, thank you for being on the show.
0: Thank you, Ron. I'm really grateful. Thanks.
1: You're welcome. And thank you for joining us as we, again, wrestle with issues of leadership and impact. God does have a call on your life and your personal prayer. Reach out to friends, read scripture, pray. Even if you've never prayed before, it's not too late to start right now, because you know what? God knows who you are. He created you and he loved you and he wants to love you into life of purpose and meaning. Thank you. And we will see you again next time. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, Be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.